The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well as we jump into a new year. Um, I want to real quick um, say thank you to all of those that give to missions. Uh, we support missionaries all over the world. And I mentioned a few, a couple, two, three months ago now, um, we took on four new missions endeavors. And one of them is Chris and April Hinkle. And they sent us a little card. I just want to read it to you real quick. It says, um, Pastor Nick Grove Church, we appreciate your heart for missions and people knowing Jesus. Thank you for believing in our call and being on Team Hinkle. So great, grateful to partner with you to reach the Arab world. And thank you for generously supporting us. We are humbled and honored. Thank you for helping helping us see a church planting movement along with the unreached people in the Arab world. We thank God for you. God bless you. So anyway, just a little shout out there uh, to those that are part of giving to missions because it does make a difference. It helps support what goes on all over uh, the world. If you're looking for a spot to land today, um, you can turn to 1 Peter, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter five. And so go ahead and go there. If you got a phone with a Bible app, you can turn there. And I always encourage you to take notes. There's maybe a couple things I mentioned that maybe might be worth writing down um, versus especially places where you can look in scripture. We'll get to First Peter here in just a few moments. Also want to uh, just open in prayer. A lot of people navigating tough situations. I know some that have been fighting for their lives with COVID. Do you want to celebrate? A couple of weeks ago, uh, we received some information on a gal uh, connected to our church that was literally barely hanging on. The doctors actually expected that she would pass away uh, in her mid-30s. And uh, we've been praying diligently for her. And she actually got discharged to go home a couple of days ago. And I'm definitely, yeah, rejoicing in that, but uh, want to continue praying prayer as well. Also want to pray for our young people. Um, if you've got a teenager and they're missing, my hope is they're, they're at camp right now. Um, uh, but uh, anyways, we've got a bunch of students there. I want to pray for that. So God, we want to stop and pray. First of all, for many that are navigating health challenges, some that are connected to COVID and all that goes on, we pray recovery. We pray strength. We pray for healing. We thank you that God, you remind us that you are our great physician. And so we look forward to many more people with stories of recovery. Um, beyond just even COVID with, with certain diagnosis medically situations that people are facing, including dementia, uh, cancer, uh, some with uh, issues, just intestinal problems. And we just pray for a breakthrough there. But we also wanna pray for our young people at camp. Uh, we pray for your spirit to surround them. We pray that even as they gather uh, this morning and have a, a time of worship and, and scriptures, and even tonight and this afternoon, hanging out, making memories in the snow, we pray for not only great memories of camp, but Lord, a deep work from your spirit, God, to challenge them, God, some that need freedom encouragement, God, deliverance, some that need, God, just that sense of your closeness and your love for them as their heavenly father. So we pray for incredible things to happen throughout this weekend for our young people and safe return tomorrow as they head home. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we'll be in 1 Peter 5 here momentarily. If you're in person, uh, maybe you're watching online. I've got a bunch of people log in online. Glad you're here as well. Um, I wanna jump in with an article that I read the last couple of days, actually a couple of days ago, um, from a guy named Kerry Newhoff. He writes, um, coming from the world, of, the legal world as a lawyer, then was a pastor, and now does some coaching for both churches and kind of business world. But he wrote an article, and he was talking about the little things that reveal our character. And I think you'll love this as much as I do. Uh, my hope is that the challenge that I felt can be passed on to you, but let me jump in because the first two points go like this. Um, when you talk about the little things that reveal our character, one of them is what you think when someone takes your parking spot. <laughs> so he says this, you know that moment when you get to the mall parking lot and see that empty space only to have someone else dart in? Yep, it's that moment. 
or the parking space you always park in at work that someone else had the audacity to use yesterday and know it didn't have a reserved sign or anything, but the planet should know that that's your space or in church world that somebody took your seat. If you, by the way, if you think you have a seat that's your seat here, your name is crocheted on it, therefore it's not your seat. So you're welcome for that. Um, but uh, we'll keep, I know I'm stepping on toes. So there you go. Um, he says this, the things we choose to make important in our lives can be silly, huh? When you think about what happens in that moment, that's your character speaking. Like spending an extra 30 seconds walking to a, biz, uh, to a building's front entrance isn't that big of a deal, is it? How much would your life really change if you started intentionally parking in the most distant corner of the parking lot? Most character growth starts when you shift your perspective to what really matters in life. And some of us could use the steps anyways, but we'll keep going. <clears throat> Number two, he says, how you react to slow internet. He says, this one is a major one for me. If the state of my character could be entirely summed up by my reaction to slow internet, I should probably be locked up from society at large and I would certainly miss out on heaven. <laughs> I only throw things on the inside, but, the ins but inside my little mind, there's nothing much left standing. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. The way we, rea we react to minor inconveniences like a long checkout line at the grocery store, traffic on our way to work, or a late package delivery says a lot about our character. Life is never going to move at your speed and you're not the center of the universe. Am I stepping on any toes yet? The next time you get stuck in a long line or a web page takes a little longer to load than normal, take the opportunity to pause, to take a breath, to acknowledge that there are things in your life you can't control and that's okay. And then reframe your perspective a little bit. Express gratitude that you get to live in a world where there are grocery stores, Wi-Fi, cars, and two-day shipping, even if they don't always work when you need them to. Trust me, life will go on in spite of any minor inconveniences that may crop up throughout your day. And it's much better to spend those moments grateful for what you have than frustrated at what you don't. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And of course, if you're online, maybe this works a little bit differently. Of course, if somebody's watching with you, you can turn to them. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, you need your character worked on. Go ahead. <clears throat> now, if you're a married couple or you live in the same household, probably somebody's gonna be on the couch tonight because I just made you do that. But here's the thing. And I want you to hear this with all of the entitlement, which has its root in pride, we all need our character worked on. Even as I'm putting together the notes for this message, it's a reminder to me, pride crops up at all kinds of random times. Entitlement crops up at all kinds of random times, including when somebody takes the spot that you had your blinker on and you were navigating towards that spot and they swiped in and all of a sudden you're madder than a hornet and you wanna ram them and have all kinds of things in your mind you'd love to do. I know I'm not just talking to myself, but you as well, but we'll keep going. So when we talk about pride, the truth is this, pride has no place in the life of a Christian. Or if you consider yourself, I'm a follower of Christ, I wanna serve and become like Jesus, like I'm supposed to. In fact, there's a dire warning about pride that Peter talks about, but James also talks about. But I wanna take a look starting at 1 Peter 5, verse five. It says this, all of you, so raise your hand if you think Peter's talking to you. Just raise your hand there. Okay, good. Now do me a favor. Everybody raise your hand real quick. 
Everybody raise your hand, good. Now, how many think Peter's talking to you? Good, okay, good job, okay, so perfect. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace or shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus, even as we prayed a moment ago, we pray again, but my prayer right now is that you would really quicken us to what goes on in our hearts, quicken us to what goes on deep inside that Lord, sometimes we're really good at hiding it. We're really good at, we might be fuming on the inside, but we smile, we act like things are okay, but our internal dialogue is a mess, or maybe we're not so good at it. And we, we wear our emotion on our sleeve. And when that pride crops up, that entitlement crops up, we don't get what we think we deserve or what we want or our agenda. We give people the silent treatment. We give people the cold shoulder. We, we get the kind of anger that fumes. We make a snippy comment or we act passive aggressively in a situation. But God, my prayer today is that you would rise up humility, rise up within us that humbleness that we desperately, desperately need. Otherwise, what happens happens is in our pride, there's a real danger to what goes on in our soul. Wake us up to this conversation in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter says all of you, and as I mentioned a moment ago, Peter is literally writing to every single one of us. There's not one person excluded in here based on being too young or too old, based on being male or female, based on having everything together or not having anything together, based on having served Christ for decades or just new to faith in Jesus. Peter is writing to all of us because pride is an issue for everybody. And humility is the order of the day all the time. So Peter says, all of you, and he says this word, he uses this phrase, clothe yourselves. Literally, cover yourself with or get dressed with humility. It's similar to what Paul says in Ephesians 6 when he brings up what we call the armor of God. When Paul says, put it on, Peter is saying in the same way, clothe yourselves, be draped in humility towards one another. We like the word humility. We like the word humble. We don't like the word humiliation. Anybody ever felt humiliated before? Yeah, many times. And we could go around hour after hour in this room and we would be rolling on the floor at certain situations where you and I have felt humiliated. There are times where I literally will, will humiliate myself in some way and I literally have to go, I gotta move on from this or my mind is gonna go nuts, embarrassed by what just happened. We don't like the word humiliation, but the similar idea is humility or humbling ourselves. Peter says, you and I are called to humble ourselves toward one another. So let's talk for a moment about what that looks like. It starts with what humility isn't. Humility isn't pretentious. Humility isn't thinking we're better than other people. Humility isn't offering our prejudice or our stereotype in the world we live in. As we navigate through a certain area and we meet someone and all of a sudden we kind of look them up and down, we kind of give a general idea what we think of them in our minds. We don't say it, but it's there. It's getting rid of that pretension or that stereotype or sometimes that prejudice that causes us to treat people certain ways because of how they measure up or don't measure up 
to our internal standard. Humility is teachability. It's the ability to hear and learn from others, even though at times it would be easy to assume we have nothing to learn because we know better or because we're older or we have more experience or education is at a higher level than that person or that individual. To be humble is to be down to earth. To be humble is to look at the good in others and not gravitate towards the negative in our minds. How's that going for you? Humility is enjoying people for who they are, not for what we expect them to be or what we think they should be. Practical, easy to talk to, no aura of pride. Humility is considering others, Paul said, before our own selves. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. And just to cap off the whole message, and we can end it right here, I mean, I'm probably the most humble person in the room. Um, and so just kidding, I know. I know, even saying that, I'm gonna get struck by lightning if I say it. I know it's gonna happen, right? So anyway, I'm jo- it's, I know it's a joke. When we talk about humility, Peter says we've got to drape ourselves, clothe ourselves, literally daily be covered in humility towards one another. And then he goes on to say this, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace or shows favor to the humble. Now, those aren't his own words. He's actually quoting from Proverbs 3, 34. The book of Proverbs is written as couplets of wisdom, practical advice for you and I to live with prudence. And so he's quoting back this idea. He says, God opposes the proud. Now, when he says that, there's something we need to understand. When you and I don't walk humbly, God opposes us. Now, what does that mean? Because here's the thing. We tend to gravitate towards those verses that remind us that God wants to bless us. We gravitate towards those verses about God's mercy and God's grace and God's love and God's favor and blessed are those who, blessed are those that, blessed, 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 and we love that. But what about gravitating for a moment towards, hey, God opposes the proud. If you live with an aura of pride in your life and you hold on to it, God is opposed to you. Isn't that great? We love that. The word there for oppose is literally translated from a military term. God wants to stop your activity. God wants to cease you from advancement. It's a military term when when you, you go to war and the goal is to stop and come against the enemy to overtake them. That's the term that's being used right here when Peter quotes from Proverbs. God opposes you and I. He fights against us. God becomes our enemy. But the key is this, and I need you to hear this. When, when, when we walk in pride and God opposes us, it's not that he's against us so much as he's against the sin that will destroy us. God comes against us to deal with the issue of pride in our lives because pride is unbelievably destructive. Pride is what will ruin our lives. So God opposes the proud. One of my favorite authors over the years has been Max Lucado. And um, 
He's written, uh, I can't even count how many books, but he, he says this, God hates pride. How do we explain God's abhorrence of the prideful or the haughty heart? Simple, God resists the proud because the proud resist God. Arrogance will not admit to sin. The heart of pride never confesses, never repents, never asks for forgiveness. And listen to this, pride is the hidden reef that shipwrecks the soul. Pride comes at a high price. Don't pay it. Choose instead to stand on the offer of grace. And then he goes back to quoting that same proverb, God resists or God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isn't it easy to see why God gives grace? Humility is happy to do what pride will not. The humble heart is quick to acknowledge the need for God, eager to confess sin, willing to kneel before heaven's mighty hand. So the first part of what Peter says is that God wages war against our advancement because he wants to wake us up to the issue of pride and how destructive it can be. But then the other part it says, he says, but he gives grace, or he grants favor to the humble. If you consider this verse in Proverbs, and if you're taking notes, you can write it down. Proverbs 26, 12, it should again open our eyes just a little bit. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Ouch. By the way, I'd take this moment to say Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, I'm glad you're here. You joined in today to the message. <clears throat> I wanna take a moment and look at James because he writes in a similar vein. Um, but in chapter four of James, um, he takes us deeper into the conversation because in chapter four of James, he's gonna describe this whole issue of selfishness. He opens up in chapter four with saying, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Anybody familiar with this? He talks about the inner desires that battle within. You covet, you don't get what you want. You, 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 you know, if you get what you want, you wanna spend it on your pleasures and do whatever you wanna do. And, and you fight and you quarrel and you, steal and you steal and kill. And he gets in this kind of depth of this mess of pride and selfishness. But then he offers the audience a solution. And he says it this way in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then or therefore, he says, so, so to deal with the issue, therefore, what is it therefore? It goes back in context to what James just said. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And he says, resist the devil and he will flee. Now, let me walk you through for a moment, James 4, 7. James says, the solution to our pride, the solution to our entitlement, the solution to I want what I want and I get what I deserve and my agenda should win the day he says, if you wanna deal with that, submit yourselves to God. Well, what does that practically look like? Let me just give you an example. Stop in prayer and go, God, here I am. And here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's the things I like about myself and the things I do well and the stuff that's virtuous, but here's the bad and here's the ugly. Here's the stuff that trips me up. Here's the habits that aren't so good. Lord, take all of me and I offer it to you as a daily sacrifice. God, would you take the whole of my life? I dedicate it to you. See, that's where you go back to the message of the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news is Jesus paid the price and made a way that you and I could be forgiven. It's called the cross. And the price he paid was so that you could have that clean slate, 
so that you could say, Jesus, I need to offer my life to you. And Jesus would remind us, for those of us that would say we've been in Christ for a length of time, it's a daily thing. But for some of you that today you hear what I'm talking about, and you go, if I was to say, you know, how do you know that, that you're forgiven? How do you know you can have a fresh start? How do you know that, that let's just say that your life ended, you were heading towards eternity, that you would enjoy the presence of God and, and, and heaven? If you would answer that, well, I'm a pretty decent person. Well, I've done some pretty good things. That's not the equation. The issue of sin is dealt with because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when you and I talk about a new beginning, when you and I talk about forgiveness, when you and I talk about humbling ourselves, the very first act of humility for those that want to be in Christ is confessing, Lord, sin is an issue in my life. Missing the mark is a problem in my life. Not doing what you have designed me to do is a problem. And the only way to find the grace and forgiveness there is to confess, I need Jesus. And I need him to forgive me for all I've done. And if that's you today and you wanna invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I've said many times before, it's the best decision you could ever make. It's where you find a new beginning. It's where life in Christ begins. God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my savior, be my Lord. As we enter 2022, God, I wanna offer my life to you. And if you hear what I'm saying today and you wanna say yes to faith in Jesus, you want a new beginning. You want to know that you're forgiven of your sin, that you're connected to God. The only way to do that is in Christ, to offer yourself to him. And again, you're sitting on the couch today. Some of you are watching online. You're going, yeah, I think he's talking to me. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to offer your life to Christ. If you're in person today, right now in this room, and you want to say yes to faith in Jesus, in a moment here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and, and pray a prayer. And I realize that it's not just, it's, well, I just, just pray a prayer. I mean, yeah, absolutely, you could pray a prayer, but you believe on what God has done in Christ. If you wanna give your life to Jesus today, if you wanna start 2022 the best way you ever could, then I wanna challenge you to offer your life to faith in Christ. If you want forgiveness today, if you want a new beginning, if you want a clean slate, if you wanna start the year with Jesus and you wanna pray a prayer with me, would you just raise your hand right now? I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Anyone else? You could put your hands down. Anybody else wanna say yes to faith in Christ today? If you're online, I encourage you just to, just, just to say, I wanna say yes to Jesus, type it in. Nine, anyone else? Any other hands in the room? I won't count the baby clapping, but hey, congrats. Love that. <laughs> if you want, I, I know I make this sound easy, so easy, but it really is. It's believing on what God has done in Christ. If you're one of those nine that raised your hand, would you do me a favor? Let's bow our heads. I'm just gonna ask you to pray a simple prayer to say, Jesus, if you've prayed this prayer before, pray with us. If you're one of the nine who just said, I wanna say yes to faith in Jesus, would you just say this? Jesus, thank you for all you've done for me. I believe you paid the price on the cross so I could be forgiven. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin. I wanna start this journey with you in 2022. I wanna serve you. I surrender. Make me new today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, would you clap? Because there's a party in heaven when people say yes to Jesus. And I love that. If, if you're one of those that, that raised your hand in this room, would you do me a favor? And please, 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 before you leave today, would you mark it on a connection card? And if you didn't receive it on your way in, one of the host team members on the way, well, how, would you just mark it? And the reason I say that, fill it out and just say, I said yes to Jesus today. We have a couple of steps intentionally we wanna help you take 
help kind of brighten up kind of where you're at and what's going on and what God wants to do next. So would you please, before you leave today, if you have a Connect card, fill it out. If you don't have one, grab it from the host team on the way out and fill it out real quick and turn it in because we wanna help you take a step. And if you're online and you made that step today, would you type it in the chat and Eli is gonna get a hold of you and help you take a step even though you're online today? Let me jump back to where we're at in, in Peter. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Everybody say the word humble. What God desires in us is that humility, is that sense of reliance upon him and not our own selves. So he says humble, and then he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Like I said, if God is at war with us when we live in pride, then God does want to bless us when we're willing to confess our need, when we're willing to humble ourselves before him. He showers his favor upon us. He covers us. So the solution to pride is humility. And guess what? He will get you to where you need to be when you're willing to surrender to him. I've said before, God wants his will for your life more than you do. And so he doesn't make it so unbelievably mysterious that you can't ever figure it out. But years ago, I memorized a verse that's Psalm 37, four, and some of you know this verse, delight yourself in the Lord. Anybody wanna finish it for me? And he will give you the desires of your heart. And we hear that and go, man, if I worship and I surrender and, and, and I pray and I draw near, then whatever's going on in here, he's gonna give me. But if you look at that verse and you study it out and you meditate on, on, with the Holy Spirit, what God would reveal to you is this. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he will shift around the desires in your heart to be what they're supposed to be, not what you think they are. And then we'll fulfill those desires. If you just write this down, almost all of, you know, almost a bunch of verses in Proverbs 16, the whole chapter, talk about you and I offering and surrender our ways and God will take care of the path. And I wanna encourage you with that because there's something beautiful about trusting that God, as I walk out humility, as I live in surrender, that my reliance comes from you, not myself, that I'm gonna get what you have for me. And you're gonna create those desires in me or shift or transform whatever those desires are. If they're off base, God, you're gonna take care of that. And I'm living trusting that's the case. Let me go back to James for a second in chapter four. He says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And then listen to this. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James quotes out of Proverbs as well. But if you notice, he says something there that can feel very confusing. He says, hey, sinners, wash your hands. Stop being full of joy, be full of mourning. And we read that and go, ooh, that's a terrible verse. I love how years ago we did a study through the book of James and we assigned certain texts to certain pastors. And the first time Aaron ever spoke on a Sunday, he had those verses. Wash your hands, you sinners. And he's like, this is seriously what you gave me? I'm like, yep, go for it. But the reason James says what he says is he's trying to get to the heart of people who are harboring sin in their hearts and yet still trying to live with joy. Harboring sin in their hearts and still trying to pursue God like God's okay with it. And so that's why he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you ungodly. He's saying you're making excuses for the pride and the sin in your life. Assuming everything's good, it's not good. That's why he goes back to humble yourselves. 
Can I be honest? That's the spirit of fasting we're talking about. If you were here last week or you heard the message at all from last week, I, I called our church to a 10 day fast starting last Wednesday. We're at the halfway point. I'm so glad. Because <laughs> fasting is challenging. But, but part of what I felt deeply in my heart as we navigated the end of last year and the beginning of this year is what better way to start the year than by humbling ourselves with fasting? You go, what does that mean? Fasting in particular in scripture means setting aside food and drawing near to Christ in prayer and worship and surrender. And, and I don't know where you're at with that conversation and maybe you've taken a meal or you've taken a day or maybe, you're, or maybe you go, you know, because of a certain medication or a certain situation in my body chemistry, I can't fast like that, but I'll fast social media. I talked to somebody earlier who said, I've been fasting social media. Other people say, you know, I'm fasting TV for a while instead of watching Netflix or whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, draw near to Christ. Great. And talk about fasting though. It's setting aside certain creature comforts and things we're used to where we find sustenance or pleasure and drawing near to God in prayer and scripture reading drawing near to prayer and worship. And we have five days left as we get through this week, 10 days of prayer and fasting. Why do I feel like it's so important? Because as, as Richard Foster in his book, Celebration and Discipline, he puts it this way, fasting is feasting. Fasting is setting aside what sustains us practically and drawing near to Christ in a deeper way with humility and prayer, relying on him. And I wanna challenge us that over the next five days, we're still in this. And if you haven't taken a step yet, take a meal, take a day, take a couple of days, take a few meals here and there. Or maybe for some, it's going, you know what, for me, it's gonna be the TV thing or maybe, uh, God forbid, coffee. Some of you like, you're like, get behind me, Satan. I know I heard you. <laughs> I, I felt that, I felt it. But, but what is it? Why do I say when we talk about humility, the fasting plays in? Because it does. Fasting does something that, that, that is a deeper work than, than what prayer can do at times. And I mentioned last week a story where the disciples are, why couldn't we take care of this problem? And he says, this is an issue that can only be overcome by prayer and fasting. And in the same way, the challenge for all of us is this. If we wanna deal with patterns that run contrary to scripture in our lives, fasting will give us a fresh strength. If you wanna deal with a deeper issue where there's unforgiveness or you harbor something in your heart that you know that needs to be dealt with, let me challenge you towards fasting. If you want a, a greater discernment and ability to, to, to be quicker, to lean into Christ, let me challenge you towards fasting. You wanna find yourself not fighting God's design for you? Fasting. Because fasting is feasting on Christ. And as cheesy as it may sound to put it that way, it's true. And I really feel like, I, I mentioned last week, in this crazy world we live in, people are losing their heads for you and I to commit to fasting and prayer to go, God, I need your strength. And so the, the 10 days of prayer and fasting was called to deal with issues in our lives personally. But also for me, what better way as a church together to go, God, as we enter a new year, we used to enter the year, a new year, new goals, new vision. We're like, I don't know that anymore. <laughs> Two years ago, it's like, here we go. Like, no, we don't. Last year, all right, it's a new year, it's over now. No, it's not. 2022, I don't even know what to expect anymore. But here's what I do know, God's still on the throne. And what better way to enter the year than to go, God, I need you personally and together. And so as, as you get towards the, the, the last part of this, I love verse seven. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That verse alone 
is worth the entry fee to get in today. And you're like, I didn't pay one. I know, it was a joke. Cast all your, remember earlier when I said, Peter started this with all of you and that was all of us? It's the same idea. Cast all, everything that burdens you, every weight that weighs you down, Every, every sense of anxiety, dread, panic over something that you carry, something, it's your 2 a.m. wake up, your mind's racing stuff. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's a wonderful verse, but how does it fit with the conversation about humility? Here's how. Because carrying anxiety is it in a sense trying to be the God of our own lives? It's you and I trying to figure it out ourselves. When Peter said, give it to him, he's big enough. Give it to him, he loves you that much. Give it to him, he's awake anyways. Give it to him, he's there to carry our burdens. That's where the peace comes from when, when, when Paul talks about the peace that passes understanding when we pray. Paul says in this context, one of the most offensive things that we could hear when you think about the burdens and the loss and the challenge and the stuff that you've carried over the years. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles. You're like, seriously, Paul, light and momentary? That's what you call this? Why does he say it that way? He says it that way because he's talking in light of eternity. Whatever burden you might carry, no matter how massive it might seem, and I don't want to minimize it, but Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles. What does he say? Are achieving for us an eternal glory. Again, light of eternity. What you carry here is nothing compared to how amazing heaven will be when we get there. Don't let that overburden you. Remember eternity. Remember a God who cares. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's how we live humbly. Confessing we're not in control. Realizing we're not the Lord. And we're called to offer these things to an incredible parent in heaven, our heavenly father. The message version of verse seven says this, live carefree before God because he's most careful with you. I love that. What does it look like for you to be humble? What does it look like for you to walk out humility? Where in your life do you find a need to be humble? What could it do to your marriage for you to walk out a greater humility? What could it do to your parenting for you to take a more humble approach? What would change in your workplace if it wasn't all about you and your parking spot and you getting what you think in your way. What does it look like? Maybe you're a boss, a business owner. For you to be humble with those you work with or employ. What does it look like not just on a Sunday where all oh, the pastor's looking at me, but on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday, Monday. I know I didn't do those in order, my bad. What about how you think? Maybe it doesn't come out 
Maybe you don't wear your emotions on your sleeve and as soon as you're frustrated, annoyed, short-tempered, entitled, prideful, people know because you get the cold shoulder, the passive aggressive or whatever, but maybe you keep it in, but you're thinking it. I can't stand it, I'm so sick of it. What do you mutter under your breath? What do you think when nobody knows what you're thinking? Because that internal dialogue matters. And finally, how do you represent yourself on social media? If we were to look at all that you post in the, in the world of the internet and sum it up in one word, what might that word be? Boy, they're angry. Boy, they're opinionated. Boy, they're jaded. Wow, they're gracious. Wow, look at that encouragement. Holy cow, that blessed me today that they put out there. I wanna challenge us the last five days of a fast. And I love how this Friday we end it with worship. If you get a chance to come and, and be here in person 7 to 8.30, we're gonna have it offered online as well. People at home not, not coming in person yet. But I wanna challenge you if you can to be here to worship with us to end this fast. Friday night, if you need kid care, you can register online, do that today. Make sure we know so we can get the right care there. But I look forward to what God's gonna do. But what better way to enter this year than by fasting, praying, by humbling ourselves, I need to be done. Jesus, thank you for the work of your spirit. God, thank you that, that you ask us to humble ourselves. But what I love is you don't just say, hey, you do it. You modeled it. You talked about in John 15, laying down yourself, laying down what you want. You showed even in the garden of Gethsemane, I don't wanna go to the cross, but father, I want what you want far more than what I want. God, I pray for that spirit inside of us, your Holy Spirit that would rise up and say, you know, I'm gonna set aside the creature comforts or the sustenance of food. I'm gonna set aside the scrolling through media that kind of numbs me or watching TV and the show that I've been loving. I'm gonna set that aside that I can draw near and watch God what you wanted to quicken me to deal with issues that I don't drag into this year the stuff that I've been dragging into these other years. Father, I pray for victory. I pray for, I pray for stories of break. I pray for awesome things to happen. And two together as a church, we lay before you whatever our agenda might include, that you would have your way in us individually, in our families, God, but in us as a church together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.